previously on All In or Knocked Out. I just wasn't sure what to say. I just seemed so there was a point at which I was just like, you're being ridiculous. Maybe I used some harsher language. Like, uh, I, I, I bet fights quite often. And sometimes I'll talk to like a guy like, like I'll talk to Demetrius Johnson and I'll be like, what do you think about this fight? And he's like, man, you know, the odds are clearly like minus 240 or whatever like that. So, so someone's a substantial favorite. And we're like, I don't know, man, anything can happen. It's a fight. And that's what they all tell you. They all start telling you, like, they all look at it as 50 50. But I do feel like, um, and you know, maybe I'll look like an idiot if I lose the fight, but like, I, I, I do feel like this is like one of the best equity spots that I've ever been in. Um, I feel like I'm a pretty decent favorite and I'm being laid a price. So yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think this is a good bet. When I'm not with the best coach in the world, I'm with the best coaches in Mexico. Um, I made him do a, a fir- his first BJJ tournament, gi and no gi, and uh, uh, he was tapping out blue belts and purple belts. So he does a lot of heel. His heel hooks are ridiculous. He submits me on a regular basis with his heel hooks, which is crazy because I'm a good uh, I'm a good leg lock defender. Dude, if you want, if you if your motivation was to learn how to fight, you wouldn't be lifting weights. I kind of created this narrative, which was that he thought that I was focusing mostly on strength and conditioning and not enough, like I was underestimating how technical fighting was, essentially. I couldn't watch a UFC fight on TV without, like, watching the two fighters, you know, get in the octagon and feeling like I wasn't able to breathe. It's time now, you know. It's 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 we're a day out. I'm about to go weigh in. We're going to be 24 hours out, 24 hours out, and then we're going to fight. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it to be now. Las Vegas hasn't always been the prize fight capital of the world, like it is today. It's easy to associate the glittering lights of Sin City with two men in a ring, duking it out at a famed venue like Caesar's Palace, or these days at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Las Vegas was founded in 1905, and for the first few decades of its existence, it had no legal gambling. It wasn't until 1931 that the first real casinos started to sprout up on Fremont Street. In the 1950s, realizing the potential that unrestricted gambling and entertainment offered, the mob entered Las Vegas, pumping money into the town. It's in this era that Las Vegas not only becomes America's gambling capital, but also its entertainment capital. Showgirls pranced on stage, opening for acts like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Bing Crosby. It wouldn't be long until casino operators realized that big boxing matches would also be a draw to the gamblers visiting Las Vegas. Traditionally, boxing's American capital had been New York, but it was falling out of favor there, and it ended up getting a fresh start out west. No one does a spectacle like Vegas, and soon, if a fight was worth doing, it was worth doing in Vegas. This is All In or Knocked Out. 
In this series, you'll hear the story of two elite professional poker players stepping into a mixed martial arts cage for the very first time. With only the bare basics in MMA training and experience, they've agreed to fight one another for a quarter million dollars. We'll follow their journey as they face their fears and dedicate everything to the fight. Here's your host, Terrence Chan. With Las Vegas firmly established as the fight capital of the world, it's no surprise that it would also boast an abundance of fight gyms. Most of the boxing gyms in Vegas are nondescript holes in the wall. You can picture any of the scenes from any boxing movie you've ever watched, and you've pretty much got the idea. But with the rise of the UFC's popularity over the last 10 or 15 years, MMA gyms have sprouted up throughout Vegas. The MMA gyms tend to be bigger, fancier, and more expensive than the boxing gyms, catering to a wider clientele, not just pro fighters, but also mainstream America. One of the newest, but also one of the most impressive looking, is Syndicate MMA. Syndicate MMA is 18,000 square feet of martial arts instruction. They have classes in MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Pros and hobbyists alike train there, and as I arrive for weigh-ins on Wednesday afternoon, a gaggle of little kids, dressed adorably in their Jiu-Jitsu uniforms, were scrambling out the doors towards waiting parents in SUVs. On arrival, I tracked down Casey Milliken, the manager at Syndicate MMA. This actually wasn't the first time that Casey hosted an event like this. Back in January, Syndicate hosted a charity boxing match between poker players Brian Rast and Sorel Mizzy. The fight raised $8,500 for their chosen charity, but the two also put up $30,000 of their own money to go along with the bragging rights. For their fight, Olivier and JC decided to piggyback off the fact that they weren't breaking new ground. Um, can you just give me your name and what you do here? Yeah, I'm Casey Milliken, I'm the manager. Okay, and you, this is not actually the first MMA bet between poker players, or fight bet between poker players that you've run. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an exhibition sparring match. These guys want to, you know, iron something out or whatever for, you know, for some money, then that's up to them. It's cool, but we can, we're happy to facilitate. <laughs> is, that, is that something you've seen before? Um, not until I moved to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you were involved with the Brian Rastromazzi fight too, or the um, boxing match? Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Um, you know what? What? What is your sort of thoughts on like guys who are relatively inexperienced? Because you're around like pro fighters all day. Um, it, you know, as long as they, as long as they are educated enough to know what they're they're getting into, you know, the consenting adults, and they want to, you know, get in there and, uh, and settle the old-fashioned way, then that's you know, we totally support that. That's what, I mean, really, that's what we do over here, you know. Yeah. Um, so, cool. Um, what kind of logistics are involved in a fight like this? Because you're you're not a fight promoter, you know, you don't you don't normally do stuff like that. Like, what's the not, hard stuff? We're not promoting a fight, you know. We're, we're all we're doing is giving these guys a you know a place to do their sparring if they want to do that that's cool we're happy to do it. all we have to do is, is set up some bleachers for their friends to come watch okay and uh yeah it's not too, so uh, nothing nothing too difficult no not, not, not at all cool all right thanks very much cool, man. Appreciate it. i can't help but notice how careful casey was to mention that this wasn't a fight he never uses the word fight he even calls it a sparring match but with two hundred seventy thousand dollars on the line everyone in attendance knows this is no friendly sparring match Weigh-ins for major fights are big events, the last big opportunity for last-minute media attention. The fighters get on the scale, and the crowd is one last opportunity to inspect them, like a gambler inspecting a horse before the Kentucky Derby. How do the fighters look physically? Do they look confident? Nervous? Anxious? Relaxed? 
but the way in between Olivier and JC is held on a sidewall at Syndicate. No fans, no fanfare, no music, no fireworks, no MC, and no ring girls. Just the two fighters and their respective cornermen talking about boring, but essential items, like what kind of gloves that they should wear. What is it officially? Right at, right at N65. N65? Yeah, I take my short time. Yeah, I think it's good there. Okay, so just to ask, uh, we're wearing the same gloves, Fairtex? Yes. Sure. Four yeah. rounds. I, I haven't even bought them, so okay. I was going to go buy them. All right. And um, six o'clock? Yeah, they're closing the you, gym. You talked. Who at, talked to Casey from here? I did. Okay. So they're closing the gym at five. Okay. So we haven't talked at all with the guys from here. Okay. okay. So six. Casey's not here right now. Yeah. Um, I. If you have any questions, you can ask me, and I can. Okay. No, we just want to know, like, what time we should be here. There's so, usually there's usually there's usually a, a rules and regulation mean, check. You know all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, since it's the one fight, I know he said six. And we're sorry, he, right? said, he said that we said that we agreed the fight would start at six. So five, we're probably going to get here yeah, around yeah, five. It's just okay. one fight. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I understand. The, the, the gym will be closed, and uh, they said we could each take one of the locker rooms. Okay. Uh, I don't okay. care which one. Yeah. Um, we can warm up there, and then that's it. We got a coin flip. You guys yeah. have to see a doctor or anything, or no? So there will be a medic here. Okay. There will be a medical person here. Obviously, like we said, a ref and three judges. I don't know. Is that good? Um, they have a sound system for a song. Everybody on wait? Yeah, we're good. Now we get to fight. Both sides confirm the final rules of the fight. Full pro MMA rules, which means punches, kicks, elbows, and knee strikes are allowed to all parts of the body except the groin, the back of the head, and the spine. Every form of submission is allowed, including neck cranks, spine cranks, and leg locks. Olivier and JC will hit each other with tiny little four-ounce gloves, just like the pros in the UFC use. Four rounds of five minutes each. If the fight is tied on the judges' scorecards after those four rounds, then the fighters will go to a fifth in deciding round. On Thursday, the day of the fight, both teams arrive well before 5 p.m. There's a sign on the front door at Syndicate. It reads, Syndicate MMA will be closed on Thursday at 6 p.m. for a private function. I guess private function sounds better than unregulated fight between two gamblers. JC and his team are assigned to the men's change room. Olivier and his team will use the female change room. A couple of mats are laid out on the floor of the change room for the fighters to warm up. Shortly after 5 p.m., people start showing up. Lots of them. I'm quickly realizing that this fight is now a big deal. There are estimates that well over a million dollars in action is being wagered within the poker community. Pinnacle, one of the world's largest online sports books, even has odds posted for the fight. JC, by the way, is a small favorite. All in all, it seems like about 70 or 80 people show up to watch the spectacle. 
Someone at the front desk collects $20 from each person who comes through the door. The money, I'm told, is going to the One Drop organization, a charity well known in the poker community for its work in providing clean water to places that don't have it. Among the attendees are poker's elite. They've bet big money on the fight, and they've come to witness their bet in action. Ronnie Barda is a poker player who holds the distinction of having cashed in the World Series of Poker's main event for five straight years. He's also a fight fan, having taken a year off poker to move to Thailand and train Thai boxing. What do you think about all this? I'm doing a little, uh, what do you think about all this? Do you have action on the fight? I do. I really don't want to, like, say who I have action on, because, like, you know, say who? I know, yeah, say who I have action on, because I know, um, I know them both. You know, um, I think it's, I think it's, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the fight. Um, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting, because I, JC's been doing Muay Thai and a little MMA for like four to five years, you know, and, but uh, Olivia is a lot bigger, you know, 20, 22 pounds bigger, and, uh, it, you know, I don't know if they're ever going to get to the floor or not, but I'd like to see what happens if that happens, and uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm really pumped for the fight, yeah. I know you want to say yeah, but if it, what, why specifically is it, do you think it'll be interesting if it goes to the ground? I don't know, because I, I don't know if any, because I feel like if they go blow for blow, I feel like Liv's going to, like, you know, obviously, if somebody catches you, they're not that, like, 165, 187, they're not that far away. I mean, it is far when fighting, but if one catches one, if one catches somebody correctly, like, JC can fucking just hit him with a kick in his face, he can be down, you know? But I feel like they go blow for floor. I feel like, yeah, I don't think he can beat Liv. Only for You, okay, well, you, you, put a, you put a bet down, so obviously you think there's, you know, the, the line's close to even. You obviously think, like, one guy's a pretty big favorite. I, I bet Liv. Okay. I mean, the reason why I didn't want to say that is because I'm, I'm closer to JC, and I've known him for years. Yeah. And I've known him for like 10 years. So was that a tough decision? It was really tough because I don't really... Cause, so here's the thing. So I'm like, all right, if I bet Liv and JC wins, it's like I'm happy. And if I bet Liv... So it's like I'm free rolling. So if I, if I lose a 1000 bucks on Liv and JC wins, I'm really happy for JC because I, I know JC. I like JC more. And JC's a friend. You know, so I didn't really want to touch this fight. But the, some people have kept asking me, okay, I want to bet on JC. I want, you want Liv? I said, fuck yeah, I'll take Liv. Okay, so I bet Liv. You know, but I really like... So when I'm watching this fight, it's like mixed emotions. Like, if JC wins, I'm like, whatever. Like, pay the thousand, be happy for JC. If not, I win, you know. Like, and I'll be like, damn, JC. But I thought this some money, you know what I mean? So. Two guys who won't have mixed emotions were also in the crowd. I caught up with Aaron Bean, an online poker pro who lives in Mexico City. And Scott Seaver, who lives in Las Vegas and is one of the most accomplished live tournament players in the history of the game. Uh, hi, I'm Scott Seaver. One more, what, what do you want? I don't know, what do you go by? Professional <laughs> poker player? Yeah, like... sure, professional poker Professional friend of JC Alvarado. <laughs> hi, my name's Aaron Bean. I'm a professional poker player and I live in Mexico City. I'm Luke Nettles. I'm also a friend of JC currently live in Las Vegas. Uh, you guys, have you guys all bet money on it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have not. Who's, are, you, are you comfortable talking about how you bet? Not, not really. Okay, but in like, a general vague term? In a general vague term, uh, a decent amount, and it's just everyone I know seems to be betting on this. It's really crazy, actually. So is it because you think you have a substantial edge, or is it just to get in on the action? I truly think that without that no one has really any idea where the edge would be unless you're like very very like knowledgeable about training all this inside information at the end of the day it's just kind of we're all laymen talking about something that's very technical and that really no one's gonna truly know so it was like a bit of a dgen bet yeah, of course but i feel everyone says just a quick note about the lingo 
degen in the poker community is short for degenerate. So a degen bet is a degenerate bet, that is, a bet simply made for fun and excitement. That's in contrast to what's called a plus EV bet, or a bet that the professional gambler would expect to make a long-term profit on. Now back to Scott. Anyone that tells you that they are certain on their side is just dead wrong. Unless they, like, infiltrated camps of other people, etc. Like, you just can't know. Uh, Aaron, what was your motivation for betting? Well, I do think I, I have an edge for this bet. Uh, compared to what I would usually bet on this sort of thing, I bet a lot. Compared to the high-stakes world, or even compared to Scott. Uh, you bet a lot for, for yourself. But for me, I bet a lot, and I, I do think that uh, JC is more likely to win than uh, than the odds. I'm gonna... what, what specifically makes you think that you're getting it in good here? His training camp. I think he has better coaching staff, and you know, I, I think he has somewhat more experienced, though not a lot more experienced training. And I think he's a better fighter. But mainly, I just think he has a lot better coaching. Have you seen JC a lot over the last six months, like in a social context? Or? I have not seen him a lot, especially in a social context. He's he's been really focused on training. And, you know, I've seen him a couple times, but not a lot at all. I saw him training a little bit, but not much. Uh, Scott, what do you think about a lot of the line movement that's sort of happened over the last little while? And I don't know if you can speculate a little bit what, but obviously JC probably booked the least favorable terms out of everybody in the, in the gambling world. Uh, a lot of Olivier money came in. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I think just of people in the high-stakes community that wanted to bet. At first, it was a lot more people know Olivier than JC in the high-stakes community. And then for people that know very little to nothing about MMA, as pictures started coming out of them, they're just like, wow, this guy is a giant freak. I want to bet on him. So whether that's true or not is a different story. But I think for someone that knows very little about this and is just like choosing to bet, things like this would inform the decision a lot more on Olivier. Do you think that's sort of like like you're almost betting against dumb knowledge? Is that sort of how you feel about it? Exactly. Okay. Okay, cool. And Scott Seaver certainly wasn't the only poker celebrity in attendance. Here's our producer, Ross Henry, talking to Instagram superstar Dan Bilzerian. What's your name? Dan Bilzerian. Um, how do you know JC and Olivier? I actually don't. I don't think I've met either of them. But you, you just like the, the idea of this fight? Oh, I think it's amazing. Yeah, anytime like two people that haven't like done fights before or trained, especially with like weight discrepancies and train discrepancies, I think those are like I would I would have paid way more to see this. And like a Pacquiao Mayweather fight, like not even close. That's awesome. Based on what you know about the two of them, who do you think is your favorite? I just flipped a quarter and bet ten thousand on Olivier, but um, I mean, talking to him, we're kind of in agreement that a guy that's had like a lot of like previous uh, fight training and he's he did like a two or three month camp when he's going to fight Robel, like that's just huge because there's only so much you can learn in six months. Like with stand up, like. I think he could be good. But with ground, it's just it takes so long to become good at the ground. And then the takedowns, takedown defense, there's just so much that goes into MMA that six months, I just, I don't know if it's enough, you know? I, so based on that, I mean, I don't know. I I kind of think JC's a favorite, but. And Matt Hume is one of the best, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I've been training for nine years, so, yeah. And finally, here's one more veteran of the poker world, Joe Tehan, who has over $4 million in lifetime poker tournament earnings. 
Uh, did, you, did you bet on this? Uh, no, I'm, I'm looking for action. <laughs> Do you want some? <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm, I'm an impartial documentary. I'm actually doing this little like audio documentary about all, all the lead up and okay. you know, happens during the night afterwards. So, you didn't, so who are you looking at? I mean, oh, I'm an impartial yeah. better, and that's why I'm here just for some action. Uh, who are you trying to get? I, I mean, I kind of want JC, but I don't know. Like, uh, I heard he was the favorite coming into it. I, I came last time I bet on Brian Rast, and you know. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, Rast is training so hard with this, you know. I bet on Rast too. Yeah, yeah. So I heard the same thing about Olivier. He's training so hard, but I'm just like, I'm just going to go with JC because uh, he's been doing it longer. I've heard a lot of different things. I heard I heard JC started as a favorite, then he went to a dog, and now he's a favorite again. I don't know. But. <laughs> so, like. I mean, there. If you want JC, I mean, I know that like Jason Mercier is like isn't he like basically oh, taking unlimited action? Oh I, yeah, I didn't even see him. Uh, so yeah, I, mean, I don't know if he's here, but he was saying on Twitter he was like unlimited action. Oh my gosh, that's not that's pretty scary because Jason's pretty sharp. Coleman wants a bunch too, but but I mean they're Coleman and Olivier boys. So. Yeah, yeah. Wow. No, I mean. I'm just, uh, I'm looking forward to the fight, man. I haven't seen, like, a, I mean, this would be cool to watch a fight like this. So why, why do you want to see, like, what makes you, like... I, it just as, like, a sports betting fan. Not really as, like, I mean, I know, I've played, but, yeah, I just want to sweat. I've played poker with both of them, like, very recreationally. I don't really know either one of them that well, but, uh, yeah, just as a sweat. Just kind of flip the coin. <laughs> there is one poker superstar who's notably absent, and that's Jason Mercier. Mercier is one of the best players in the game. He's got over $16 million in live earnings to go with his three World Series of Poker bracelets. He's also rumored to have wagered hundreds of thousands of dollars on this fight, all on Olivier's side. He even posted on Twitter that he's looking for more action. But even having a bet of that magnitude wasn't enough to get him to Las Vegas. Hey. Ross here. We'll try and keep this one short, but we really do need your help to complete All In or Knocked Out. We really appreciate all of the donations we've received so far, and if you've been enjoying this production, please consider making a contribution by visiting allinornockedout.com. In the locker rooms, the coaches on both sides are keeping a tight watch on who goes in and out. Some of the poker media has shown up, including Sarah Herring of PokerNews.com, the internet's biggest poker media website. But even she isn't allowed access into the back. Neither fighter is giving interviews. Both sides are doing the right thing, not allowing any interviews or any distractions. Luckily, the fighters and coaches both know me well enough at this point that I'm allowed entrance into the back. They know that I won't be a distraction. I'm not here to talk. I'm just here to capture audio. You're cool. Let him in. <laughs> That's Tito Hartz, Olivier's coach. As I stand on the sideline, a fly in the wall, Tito's advice starts to get more and more specific. Here's what we're going to do. It's round one. We're not going to blow a wide. Round one. We're going to throw your hands first. And once you kill in that front wheel, He's, he's, he's not just, he's not ready for that. He's laying real wide. I want that front wheel cut out. 
Come on, just boom. Really go, go back here, buddy. Shin, no foot, remember. Shin, no foot. Just take out his wheel, keep your hands up. Once you do that a couple of times, he's gonna run into gravel. And that's fine, we'll go a few places there. Every time we touch, you're throwing your eight. I don't give a shit. As soon as he touches you, or you touch him, bang, and he's coming out like the button. Bang. So he touches your knee. Touch your knee, okay, every time. So we're gonna train that too, that's the way. And on the ground, he'll be here. I want you on top. Ground top, fight the top. Try to listen to my boys, and I have to push him in the cave if you're on top. And bring him to me. If he stays in the cave, let me talk. You're nervous, everybody's nervous, don't worry about it. He's scared. He's a difference in the way he's walking. He didn't get to follow through with this. He's like, shit, the president right now. It's now 5 p.m., one hour before the fight is scheduled to go off. Olivier is starting to get his hands wrapped, but aside from some confidence-boosting words from Tito, it's mostly calm before the storm. On the other side of the hall, JC's jiu-jitsu coach, Dan Sean, guards the door. He asks JC in Spanish if I can enter, and JC gives the thumbs up. What's up? I've, yeah, I always get nervous, man. This is a good friend, you know, and we've been at this for a long time, so I'm really fucking nervous. The calmness backstage is briefly interrupted when Dan learns that Olivier has started to get his hands wrapped in the opposing locker room. Traditionally, fighters don't get their hands wrapped without a witness from the opposing side. This is to make sure that the trainers don't use any kind of hard cast or tape, anything that would give their fighter an illegal and dangerous advantage. Excuse me, guys. So, can we watch? Can we have somebody watch? You guys wrap hands too. Can I watch for them? Yeah, we're not ready. We're not wrapping hands yet. But we'll let you know as soon as we're wrapping. You guys are wrapping. Bring yeah. someone in. Yeah. All right, somebody will go in there. Thanks, guys. And while JC's team is annoyed that Olivier's team has started wrapping his hands without a witness from their side, Olivier's team is equally annoyed that JC hasn't even started wrapping his hands yet. Things are getting tense as the hour approaches. Shortly after, referee Joe Slick pays a visit to both locker rooms to give final instructions. Here he is first in JC's locker room. Very, I've been in business for a long time, so we're kind of going to it to you know, and then uh, take over. All right. So um, today we are going by just straight UFC rules, and are you familiar with UFC rules? Yeah, uh, pretty much. I like to just go through the details. Sure, I'll just kind of run the through gray area. Yeah. I'll run through the basics right here for you. So stand-up fighting, one thing that is not legal is that 12 to 6 elbow. You cannot drop that at, at any point in time. Uh, anywhere on the body? Um, no, yeah, this is yeah. whether you're standing or on the ground, you cannot drop that 12 to 6 elbow at all. That's yeah. an illegal strike. Yeah. A 12 to 6 elbow is one that points straight up and down. The 12 to 6 rule in MMA, it's a bit antiquated. It's a rule that comes from old karate demonstrations of guys breaking bricks with their elbow and then other people deciding we can't have that in fights. But the truth is, it's no more dangerous than any other type of elbow strike, but it's a rule that's managed to survive into the modern era. Referee Slick continues to explain the mechanics of a legal elbow. 
Your elbows, you know, I want to see arcing elbows, arcing, arcing, arcing. Every once in a while there might be a position where they're down on the ground where you can bring an elbow like this. That, it has to be coming sideways though. Yeah. Cannot come straight down. Also, um, in the exchanges, I'm looking at your fingers. If your fingers are pointed out at their eyes while you're exchanging, you know, I can give you a warning for that and take points away. Yeah. So watch your fingers. I know you, you open up your hands to parry punches and stuff like that, but watch if they're sticking like straight out in exchanges, all right? Um, once you are on the ground, three points down, this is three points down right here, yeah. okay? This is a grounded opponent. They can no longer be kicked or kneed in the head anymore at all, all right? Uh, if you're in your guard, I'm laying down. If someone's in their guard right in front of me and I'm down, you cannot up kick me in the face or anything. Now, if I'm standing, and you're laying down, yeah, that up kick to the face is legal. Okay, um, I'm really gonna be watching the shots to the back of the head. You know, that's a, yeah, please. That's a one I'll, I'm gonna take points away fast for. So, and that really takes place with the ground and pound. Okay, so when you're on the ground, I really want you to control your weapons. And if, <clears throat> if you see that his head is turned and you're gonna strike up here, don't strike, stop. Try to find another way around. You cannot strike the back of the head the neck, the spine, or the kidney area, you know, when you're on the ground. I know sometimes, occasionally, stand-up fighting, a kick will hit you in the back, but that's, that doesn't really count. I'm talking when you're on the ground. I mean, my guard, no, I can't do heels too much, kidneys, and, you know, that's it. Back of the head is Mohawk, right? Huh? Back of the head is Mohawk, after the headphones um, or something like that? About here, turn around. It's about like, I take a sheet of paper, and I put it right about here. This is what's not legal to hit. Okay right about there. Okay. And then, of course, all the way down with the ground and pound there with the spine, back of the neck. Okay. Uh, don't grab the fence. If I see you grab the fence, I'll pull your hand off or I'll just stand you up and give you a warning. Uh, and also with, with your toes in the fence, watch your toes in there using that to, to grip and pull. I'll just stand you back up. You'll lose position. You might lose points. So don't grab the fence at all. I, and I will like just pull your hand right off there initially if I see it happening, because it happens a lot just without people without thinking about it. So you grab that fence, I'm like, no, no, stop. And I am a pretty active rep. I'm talking a lot. I let people know, like, okay, he's down, you better control your striking. So I want to let you know I will be talking to you guys being very vocal rep. No single joint manipulation. You can't grab one finger and try and break it. You can't grab one toe and try and bend it back and break it. Uh, I guess that's about it. I don't know. Any other questions? Um, I have a question. Yeah, question. If you're talking, as long as you don't say stop, he keeps going, right? Yes. Keep going. Keep, so even if you say stop hitting the back of the head, he doesn't have to stop what he's doing. He just keeps doing everything else except you know, hitting the back of the head. With these guys, since they're not professional UFC fighters, I, what I'm going to do is just stand them up right away and break them up if you start hitting to the back of the head. What if it's an accident on hitting the back of the head and you just say, oh. hey, stop hitting the back of the head? He can keep wrestling, right? He can keep moving. I'll be stuff. firm with my call and let you know to either stop action so I can give you the warning or not. Okay. So I'll be, I'll be firm with that. Okay. Um, most likely, if I see a strike to the back of the head, even if it's accidental, I am going to stand you up for the most part. Okay. Give you a warning, and then next time I take a point away. Okay. Okay. Um, Actually, get hit in the groin, and I don't see it. I mean, it's it's going to keep going. But here's here's what you're supposed to do as a fighter, because I'm a former fighter, and I've been through this before. 
you get hit in the groin, but the ref doesn't see, you don't stop fighting, you kind of get his attention though. Hey, here's the easiest way to do it, just say balls. Okay. Ref, balls, balls, if I didn't see it for some reason from the, the angle, I'll know, okay, okay. okay. If you do accidentally knee him in the groin, stop, and, you know. Yeah. All right, so. All right, cool. Can you come back when we're starting to wrap? Sure. The next man to enter the locker rooms is the MC of the evening, Ali Najad, paying his visits to both rooms. Well, uh, so I was just asking JC whether or not before I introduced the fighters, if you guys wanted me to give a little bit of backstory or background with respect to, you know, information about what's at stake, what what brought you guys together in the story. You know what I mean? I don't want to mention the fact too much about like right now. We just want to call it an exhibition match. Okay. I'll walk over there as well. I'll find another way. I'm just being cautious with what we say. Totally understood. Yeah. I mean, and most of the people that are here, presumably, they know everything. Yeah, they know. So there's no need for me to go through that. Um, okay. And then as far as afterwards, uh, at the point at which you guys are declaring win or anything, like, just come out. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, there's judges, I assume. Yeah, we have judges. So in case it goes to decision. Um, that, uh, do we know where the judges are? Who the judges are right now? So, I'm going to be stationed around the cage. We're obviously with that black Well, I should touch base with them to make sure they know since I'm the MC that they can, if they're close to a decision, that they can give me the information so that I can announce it. Um, so we'll try to figure that out. Um, yeah, I'll walk over with you right now. So who should I touch base with from your camp as far as if, any, if they need to, any of these guys? And so Ali heads over to Olivier's locker room. And Syndicate's manager, Casey Milliken, is there as well. Okay, so I'll just call it an exhibition match? Yeah. Sounds good. And you can, you can say that all the, it's like for charity, it's a for one drop, because all the ticket sales are going to one drop. Okay. Okay. Let's see what happens. Thank you, Rich. That's the smoke guy. Actually. Let me take notes. <laughs> are you the one drop? Yes. Yeah, I am. Cool. I put a little speaker out there for you. It's oh, nice. Okay. Casey. Casey, I'll be nice. Thank you. I appreciate the stuff. Okay. There's a mic and uh, the mic's on and everything, so I'll show you where it is. I'll walk over and then we'll get that to so, 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 what you mean? So, all JC gave me was name, where like city, where he's from, or whatever originally, um, weight, age, uh, and that he's fighting out of the Jiu-Jitsu gym in, in Mexico City. Okay. That's all he wanted for his intro. I asked him if he wanted a nickname, he said no. Um, yeah, heard those anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm good with that same info. Same info? Okay. So, yeah, we'll just put it through. Yeah, different gym. <laughs> okay. What, um, so what city do you want to say, New York? Yeah. Uh, how old do you know? 34. And at the weigh-in you were? 187.5. Just 187.5. 187. It's actually a good number. Uh, um, and what gym should I give credit? ECU, BJJ. Let's do the get all letters together. ECU, BJJ. You don't want me to say it? No, you don't want to say it. ECU, BJJ. Because it's too complicated? <laughs> it's long. We're not done yet. Okay. <laughs> I know BJJ is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yeah? And MMA Bronx. Yeah, because there's different schools in MMA Bronx, so the hand does go there. Oh, uh, we have three schools, and mine's the only one who does the, yeah. Okay. MMA. So it's easy to so, BJJ and MMA Bronx. Hailing from New York City, uh, age 34, weighing in at 187 pounds, fighting for EC, BJJ, and MMA Bronx. Right. Yes. Cool. That works. All right. And then as far as if it goes to a decision, the judges will hand a decision to me. I'll bring you guys to the middle, 
and obviously, you know, announce whoever the winner is. We're not going to go to this season. Yeah. Just kidding. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> cool, guys. All right, and if you need anything else, if you want me to announce anything, you want me to include anything else, let me know. And then I'll definitely mention, like, I'll thank the audience, the crowd, and everyone who's here um, for their contributions. All the ticket sales proceeds are going to charity for the one, just the One Drop Foundation. One over in JC's locker room, warm-ups are underway. As with everything in JC's camp, it's controlled and measured precisely. Strength and conditioning coach Joel Jamison is peering down at his iPhone, but he's not distracted. He's using an app on his phone to monitor the heart rate strap that JC is wearing on his chest as he hits pads. Joel wants JC's heart rate at 150 to 160 beats per minute for 20 to 30 seconds at a time. What's the, what's the sort of strategy for the warm-up? Like, can you run me through it real quick? Like, how, how do you do the rounds? Uh, mostly just getting their mentally ready and physically ready for fights. Bring his heart rate up to where it's going to be. Have him move around, transitioning from standing to wrestling to the ground game, and really just starting to get his body physically and his mind mentally prepared by doing as many of the uh, you know, elements of the fight as possible. Just getting him used to what's going to happen when he gets out there. Do you, you actually get his heart rate up to how high it would actually be during the fight? Or yeah, it's, you get, it's not get all the way up there. It's not a fight, but it should get up there fairly close, then come back down, then back up, and then back down. If, if, he, if he hasn't warmed up by getting his heart up to where it's going to be, it's going to be uh, a lot more difficult when he gets out there and actually does get up there. So the aerobic system takes a while to warm up. you got to get it flowing and get all the oxygen moved to the body, so you definitely want to get thoroughly warmed up before you go out there. And then uh, when, do you, when do you stop and start calming him back, bring him back down? Uh, stop a few minutes out, maybe five, six minutes out from the time to walk, and then just keep him active and mentally focused on the fight as much as anything else. Thanks. On the other side, Olivier is starting to hit pads too. Slow it down. Back to your face. Cross of leg. Cross of leg. Go with the flow. Put your hands to your face. Keep your hands up. Nice and In this clip, Olivier's teammate, Brandon Medina, is holding the pads while Coach Tito provides instruction. 20 seconds. Jab, 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 teeth. Stop. You can let off the teeth. This is jab, 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 teeth. No time in between. Jab, jab, teeth. There we go. Then jab, jab, leg kick. 10 seconds. Jab, jab, leg kick. Really good. Back in your stance immediately. Good. Cross with cross. Again, one more time. Good. 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 So now, next one. Give him a minute rest. One minute. Give him a minute. I'm going to hold one pad. He's going to just do nice long hop, hop, keeping your feet moving. 
Okay, when you punch, you're gonna shoot on either side, I'm gonna let you know. You're gonna sprawl in circle. So we're gonna sprawl. Now, Joe, shoot on real quick. Sprawl, circle. Don't sprawl and stay there. Sprawl, you just have to put your hand there and push it down. Sprawl and circle. It probably doesn't come across that well in the audio, but the trained ear can hear the difference. Olivier's pad hitting sounds methodical and a bit slow. I can see us to think about every combination, and Tito reminds him what punches and kicks to throw, and to what order. Meanwhile, JC is fluid and natural in his warm-up, and he responds instinctively to instructions. Warm-up is just a warm-up, but it looks to me like there's a huge difference in the striking. I leave the locker room for a moment to capture some audio with my producer, Ross. Far away right now, just because I'm not be here. But on the feet, JC is way better. Olivier's striking combinations are not nearly the level of JC's right now. We can't see their groundwork because the back room is not nearly uh, big enough for people to practice their ground games. But on the feet, JC is a lot better. And I, you know, if I were going to bet money right now, it would be on JC. I'm not going to because I. That would be pretty unethical at this point. I have too much information. But, um, yeah, JC's fluidity on the feet is, like, he looks like he's a solid year and a half uh, ahead of JC, uh, of Olivier. Yeah, because I've watched them both hit pads now, and um, it's 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 much more sloppy on Olivier's side than I would have guessed from, from the interview. Uh, so. so the original line was correct. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I mean, if this was a kickboxing match, it would be even more correct. But, I mean, in fairness, we've... We know a lot of Olivier's strategies to, to kind of take it to the ground, get it, be the bigger guy on top, grind it out a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I think knowing what I know, Olivier needs to get this to the ground to win. So that's my thoughts. Finally, after a delay of well over an hour, the fight is ready to begin. And now it's time for the main event. Want to welcome in first, JC. I don't know. 
Referee for tonight, Mr. Joe Slick. Both fighters come to the center right here. Right here. All the rules in battle, obey my commands at all times. Defend yourselves at all times. Fight clean, fight fair. If you want to touch them up, touch them up now. Knocked Out is written and hosted by Terrence Chan. Audio is produced by Ross Henry. Our production assistant is Robin McDonald. Music is by Murphy Chops. You can check out more of his work on SoundCloud. For more information about this series, please visit allinterknockedout.com. Ross here. We would like to thank everybody who's made a contribution of any size to All Inner Knocked Out. We call those who contribute a hundred bucks or more the black chip contributors. And for part four, we'd love to give a special thanks to these following black chip contributors. Brady Farr. Thank you, Brady. Sean Lingley. Thank you, Sean. Grateful Mouse times two. This is the second one from Grateful Mouse. What a guy. And Matt from St. Louis. Thank you, Matt. So thanks again to those guys and everybody else who has contributed. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will continue making more All In or Knocked Out thanks to you. If you've enjoyed this series and you'd like us to continue making more, please consider making a donation. Thanks. Next time on All In or Knocked Out, the fighters are ready, the judges are ready, and the fans are ready. It's JC's experience and technique versus Olivier's size and strength. Mexico City versus the Bronx. That's part five of All In or Knocked Out. Knocked Out.